and revival is possible, God can still do a work. And I'm thankful uh, that we can see the hand of God at work, even as he's been, I believe, this week in our hearts, stirring us and strengthening us. And tonight, the final message, and even though it's the final message, and all of those who have joined us by way of live stream, thank you for being in your place, uh, participating in these meetings. Uh, Just because this is the final message or the final service doesn't mean that it has to be the final move of God in our hearts or bring a finality, if you will, to this series of meetings in which we desire and we crave for God to revive and refresh and renew us, reignite our hearts. But may this meeting be a beginning of something, uh, just as a, a, a vessel is prepared in harbor and dock, and then once it's fully furnished and built, it's then launched forward. May that be a picture of what God does this week, that God is equipping us and God is furnishing us and God is giving us the wherewithal and the truths that we need to be able to go forward and uh, desiring to be used of God to reach new heights, reach new souls, new families making a difference in our community. Revelation chapter number five, notice what the Bible says in verse number 12, verse number 11, we'll read this, verse number 11 and verse number 12, the Bible says, and I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. This is something that has been heavy on my heart for the past three years or so. And just in recent days, the Lord gave me these truths that we're going to share with you tonight. May this be a motto we live by, these three words. He is worthy. Lord, help us now as we meditate upon these truths and we ask a series of questions derived from this text. I pray that you'll help us to have hearts that continually understand, as we just heard in the special, Lord, that you are worthy to receive all these things, our lives, our passion, our ability, that we would be genuinely yielded, as the song was sung a bit ago as a congregation, that we would be fully surrendered, that we would be willing to relinquish anything from our hands and let you have it completely. We ask, Holy Spirit of God, for anointing afresh and anew, for your power. I pray that your presence would have great liberty, your word would have free course. Lord Jesus Christ, we desire that you'd be magnified in a place of absolute preeminence. Help us to focus upon thee, knowing that you are worthy. Grow us through this. Stir our hearts, strengthen us, revive us, Lord, we ask. We love you and we look to thee now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. A series of questions to be asked tonight. The first question would be this. Number one, who is worthy? I am not worthy. You are not worthy. My career, your career is not worthy. Our agendas, goals, dreams, ambitions are not worthy. This world is not worthy. The most powerful king or wealthiest man or any person on earth is not worthy. Sin is not worthy. The devil is not worthy. But only Jesus is worthy. He is worthy to receive, as we'll study here in just a little while, power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And may God help us to understand that he is the only one who deserves all of these things and only these things. 
This establishes his preeminence. I love what the Bible says in Philippians 2, verse number 9, down to verse number 11. The Bible says, Wherefore God hath, has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, what's fascinating about those verses that I just read to you, in Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 9, down to verse number 11, we know that he deserves, that he ought to have uh, the worship tonight, that every knee ought to bow unto him, that every tongue ought to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But just because he deserves it does not mean that he will Receive it. The Bible says very clearly that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Now, every knee should bow, but is every knee bowing? Is every knee genuinely bent in submission and surrender, realizing that he is preeminent, that he deserves that rightful place of being first and foremost? Just because every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, are our tongues genuinely testifying that yes, he is worthy to receive and he is going to receive it? It's fascinating that the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And just because every knee should bow doesn't mean every knee is bowing. But I pray tonight, every single one of us that have joined by way of live stream, those of us here in the room tonight, that yes, it genuinely is testifying from our heart and also from our tongue that Jesus Christ is worthy to receive these things. And it's something that we desire for him to have through and through. Jesus Christ is worthy. Some Christians can't get past this. I am not worthy to receive power. I am not worthy to receive riches. I am not worthy to receive strength. I am not worthy to receive wisdom and honor and glory and blessing. Only Jesus is. I should not reserve these things to myself. But rather, I should release these things from my own possession and allow him to have it all. Some people live by this. My body, my choice. That's wrong. It's incorrect. Now, in a corrupt culture, that's what everybody is screaming and preaching and accepting as the norm and to be truth, but that is undoctrinal and it's unbiblical. My body, my choice. There are some people that live this way. My body, their choice. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and comply. I guess I'll go ahead and go along with the status quo and what everybody else is doing, and this is what they want me to engage in. I guess I'll go ahead and do it. My body, but their choice, wrong. That's the wrong mindset. We've mentioned this. May the Lord help us as we remember these things and repeat these things. Some people live this way. My body, his choice. Still the wrong mindset. Ultimately, every single Christian should be governed by these, this principle, his body, his choice. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify, not yourself, glorify God. Magnify God, exalt God, worship God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. My body, my choice, wrong. My body, their choice, wrong. We should not do what the world says we should do. 
We should do what God would have us to do. My body, his choice. No, that signifies reluctance. Yeah, I suppose, you know, this is what God would have me to do, so I'll go ahead and plot along in this Christian life and do this and do that and the other. But when the day is done, I am still the one in control. Yes, I'm reading my Bible. Yes, I'm studying what the Lord would have me to do as I observe things in his word, but I am picking and choosing what I think is relevant for my life. Wrong. As we said earlier this week, we do not read the Bible because it contains truth. We read the Bible because it is truth. There should be no arguing with God. No hesitation, no deviation from what God would have us to do, but rather the old-fashioned mindset. You know what? The Bible says it. I believe it. The Bible says it. That settles it. You know, it's interesting. It's a satanic thing to question the authority of God and his word. And you'll find, and the pastor and I have talked about this, and I mentioned this to the children, my children, earlier this week as we were in family devotions and reading a certain, uh, going through a certain book of the Bible and such, and this came up in the conversation. I said, and actually it was my wife that brought it up uh, and was talking to the children, what was the first conversation that Satan had with mankind? It was to put a question mark where God put a period. It was to get humanity, you and me, to doubt the solidity of Scripture, of what God said, to doubt the supremacy of God, to doubt the sovereignty of God, all the things that we could consider concerning God, to dethrone God and to elevate myself now into a place of deity. This is what we call humanism. And I'm concerned that humanism is running rampant throughout churches in America, where we take God and he is complementary. We take God and his word, and we know it's truth, but we are going to decide for ourselves what we think is relevant. No. Rather, all of us tonight should be in absolute submission, a state of surrender, yielded, as our brother mentioned tonight, as the song referenced through the special, yielded completely and totally underneath what God and his word would have us to do in our lives. His body, it's not mine. I've been bought with a price. He's the one who gave me the gift of life. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to live. It's your body, not mine. His body, his choice. Who is worthy to receive? Well, it's not me. It's not you. It's not anything about us or a part of us, such as a career, agenda, goal, dream, ambition. This world is not worthy, a corrupt cultural system. Sin is not worthy. The devil is not worthy. Only Jesus is worthy. May I ask tonight, gently, does Jesus have that place of preeminence in your heart? I'm concerned that many Christians, Jesus is important, but Jesus is not essential. Yes, Jesus has predominance, but Jesus does not have preeminence. Yes, Jesus is in the top five lineup of things, and depending on what's going on in my life, he gets shuffled around. Yes, he's still vital and important. He's there, but he does not have first place in all things. A question needs to be asked tonight. Who is worthy? When we ask ourselves that question, yes, sir, the answer is Jesus, isn't it? He's, he's in the zone. I like that. Praise God. Who is worthy? It's Jesus Christ. And if we simply stop in the moment when the flesh wants to be in control, 
When we want to let the world run amok in our lives and lead us and yank us about and do this and that and the other and, and the flesh, Satan, sin, so many of the things that could be given by way of application, if we simply stop and ask the question, it will cause us to make sure that our attention is fixed solely upon the Lord. Who is worthy? Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. If Jesus and if God doesn't have first place in our hearts and lives, it's ultimately because we don't think he's worthy of it. And even though we would never say something like this as a child of God, this is what our lives are expressing through our actions. It's shocking how many people will not bat an eye on this or that, but they'll wrestle in their heart with the pricking and prodding of the Holy Spirit to give to his work, to live for Christ, to go forward in their witness and the furtherance of the gospel. And ultimately what's happening is your actions are telling the Lord, you are not worthy. It's shocking how many people can justify uh, staying uh, uh, here or there or the other place or make an excuse of not evangelizing, using tiredness or even business as a reason. Your action, my action is telling God you are not worthy. It's shocking how many young people, even adults, refuse to surrender their lives to the Lord and genuinely be all in a spirit of reckless abandonment, red-hot passion for Jesus Christ. And ultimately, the actions are telling Jesus that you are not worthy. Jesus is worthy, but number two, the question should be asked, why is he worthy? Notice the Bible says, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Why is Jesus worthy to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing? And we'll describe these things in a moment. Well, you stop and you realize that he was crucified as a sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. He was slain, the Bible says, which means that he was slaughtered. He was butchered. He was put to death by violence. And when you stop and you think about the great sacrifice of what Jesus Christ has done specifically and personally for you and for me, and yes, for the sake of the whole world, that should cause us with Without hesitation and with a spirit of joy, understand and embrace that yes, only he through and through and truly is worthy. He was, a crucif he was crucified as a sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. He took your place and your punishment. He offers salvation as a gift. For whosoever shall call, the Bible says, upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We cannot work our way to heaven. Our good cannot outweigh our bad. It doesn't work that way. There's not enough good that we can do to outweigh our bad and get us entrance into heaven. Even the Bible says in Revelation 21, 8, all liars, even just telling a lie, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. And God in his love sees the desperation of mankind. He sees the destruction of mankind. They're lost and they're dying and they're going to hell. And he he says, I can't let that happen. I love them too much for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And now this everlasting life is something you can't work for or earn but it's a gift. The consequence, the penalty of our sin, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. But 
But let's not dwell on the bad news. Let's rejoice in the good news. That's what gospel literally means, good news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And every single human being who comes to Christ, boys, girls, young people, men and women that realize that they're a sinner, that they're not, um, that they're not perfect, they've done wrong in their life as a result of that sin, they're a separation from God, there's a penalty and a consequence for it. God is holy, heaven is holy, sin cannot dwell in his presence. All sin will be cast away from his sight. Humanity has been swept into this through the sin nature and all of the things that we can study concerning what happened in the Garden of Eden, and Jesus said, no, I don't want them to die and go there. I have given them a way of escape. Why is he worthy? He was slain as a sacrificial lamb for your sins and mine. There is nothing we could do to genuinely demonstrate back to God or give back to God to express our full appreciation and gratitude for all that he's done for us. We take this from the book of Psalm. I believe it's Psalm. I'm going to give you the right chapter. I believe it's Psalm 116, and I'm not trying to get us to go down into the weeds here uh, in another text, but I want to make sure I give you the right reference. There's nothing worse than giving the wrong reference, um, and uh, why? He is worthy of you getting the right reference. Amen, church? But it's Psalm 116, there it is. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication. He continues to go through all the wonderful things that God has done for him, including saving his soul. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. He's describing hell right there. Man, everlasting death, separated from God, tears, the anguish and agony as the rich man in hell was in torments, feet from falling, that bottomless pit. He says in verse number 12, what shall I render or what shall I give back unto God? What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I pray that this moves our hearts and molds our hearts, motivates our hearts. This is the why behind the what. We don't give him these things just because, well, whatever this one is supposed to do. No. Why? He died for me on the cross. He saved my soul from hell for eternity. There is nothing that I could do to genuinely demonstrate or show unto him or share with him how grateful I am for what he's done for me. What's so overwhelming, church, is that he was willing to be slain. He was willing to be butchered. He was willing to be slaughtered. He was willing to be put to death by violence. He underwent these things because of his love for you and his love for me. Who's worthy tonight? Jesus. Jesus is worthy, only Jesus. Does he have preeminence in your life? I believe that he does, but let's ask ourselves tonight, does Jesus genuinely have first place in all things? Every knee should bow, every tongue should confess. We know it to be true, but is it a truth? Are we living in the true way in our lives? Why is he worthy? Because he was crucified as a sacrificial lamb for our sins. Notice as well uh, what the Bible says in um, uh, Revelation 5, verse number 5. I love this. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lamb, uh, the lion out of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Why is he worthy? Here's another thought. Because he's conquered all things and remains victorious as God and King of Kings. The Bible says he's prevailed or he has subdued, he has overcome all things. Listen, our God tonight reigns and rules victorious. 
He is matchless, omnipotent, undefeatable, unsurpassable, and unusurpable. As the Bible says in Revelation chapter number one, oh, how wonderful it is. It says in Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Do you know why the church can charge the gates of hell and experience victory? Not only because of the promise of God, but also because God possesses the very keys to the gates themselves. Satan doesn't have the key. Jesus Christ has that key on a belt loop hanging from his robe. I have the keys of hell. Why is he worthy? He's victorious. He's conquering. He's the king. He is supreme. No one uh, can rival him. No one can take him away. He is uh, omnipotent. Thank God for it tonight. And may we stop and have an admiration of his splendor, that he's a sacrificial lamb, that he is sovereign and supreme. Notice also, and I love this, uh, Revelation 4.11. We're really just scratching the surface here. Revelation 4.11 and I, I kind of like preaching that scratched as a surface. It gives you a lot of meat, a lot of truth in the word of God, but it gives you substance to be able to go back and meditate upon, to eat over and enjoy later. Amen? Revelation 4, verse number 11. The Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord. Now, what's fascinating here, it's capital L, little o-r-d. Do you see that in your Bible? If it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's talking about Jehovah, God the Father. But when you see capital L, little O-R-D, it's talking about Jesus Christ. That's why I love what the Bible says in the book of Psalm, O Lord, all caps Lord, our Lord, or O Jehovah God, Jesus. It gives significance there of the Trinity and these three being one, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Okay, let's get back to it tonight. O Lord, it says, thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For, because thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Why is he worthy? Well, because he created me, he's created you with a purpose. My existence, your existence, brings him good pleasure. Now, we've already been harping on this all week. We've said it various times through the message, uh, as the Lord would lead, no life is a mistake. No life or existence is a whoops or an uh uh-oh with God. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. When you stop and you think about the fact that God decided to form your life Psalm 139 teaches us that in our mother's womb, over a nine-month period of time, his own fingers and hands fashioned us. I love what the Bible says also in Psalm 119, specifically in verse number, oh, I'm going to see if I can find it here very quickly, verse number, 30, uh, verse number 73, Psalm 119, verse number 73, thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. When you stop and you realize that God's the King of kings and Lord of lords, the supreme God over the entire universe, he is the one who took the time to form your life. For such a time as this, 
with purpose. Your life bringing him good pleasure. It should become a no-brainer to realize that, you know what, this world is not worthy to receive these things. The flesh, sin, the devil is not worthy. You know who's worthy? The one who delights in my existence. Good pleasure, the Bible said there in Philippians 2, verse number 13, which means that when God looks at you and God considers you, it brings a thrill and a rush of joy to his heart and his mind. Do you realize tonight that you as an individual brings a thrill and a rush of joy to God himself upon his throne in heaven? These things are not being said to make us feel good. It's just fact. It's just Bible truth. That your existence, as God dreams about your potential, about your purpose of who you are and how that you can experience the supernatural of what he ha has established for you in the smack dab center of his will, engaged in his work, and there's nothing greater to do in our lives than to live for Jesus Christ than to pursue his will, pursue his work, follow in the footsteps of his word as we engage in these things that it brings heart palpitations to God. Last night, Juliana sang for the first time that song, In My Heart There Rings a Melody, and I'm kneeling by her, and I have the microphone next to her, and I'm singing close to her. And you know, as a father, that was a proud moment for me. Every single time I hear my kids sing, and I have the joy and the privilege of singing with them, or I'm sitting there in the pew and I'm watching David. Jonathan has actually even written a song with his mother. Didn't have a chance for him to sing that this week. And, and all of our kids know that uh, as mom and dad pray over the music, we're singing exactly what the Holy Spirit is telling us to sing. I told Jonathan last night, I said, I'm so sorry that we didn't, we didn't get to sing your song. He said, no, that's okay. You just need to follow the Lord, is what the little eight-year-old said. And he's just not spouting off terminology. This is something that we're trying to teach them the great need to be hypersensitive to the leadership of God in our lives. What's the point of living if we're not following the Lord, amen? But in that moment, as I had that microphone with my little baby girl there, three years old, three and a half years old, that brought pleasure to me. It was a thrill of joy, heart palpitations, a proud daddy moment. And to consider your life and mine brings the same rush to the king of kings. When we stop and we realize why he's worthy, it becomes a no-brainer. You know what? I'm not going to spend my life on other things or on other, on myself, on sin. I'm going to give my life and my all to the one who delights in me the most. Why is he worthy? This passage of scripture teaches three various aspects of why he is worthy. May this consume us tonight. May we crave him in all his glory more than anything in this world. Number three, really a simple message tonight. Number three, what is he worthy of? Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive. Now, before we can read this list, the word receive has great significance. In order to receive something, something must first be relinquished. Something must be wholly offered, completely given, fully surrendered. I'm going to give the pastor this songbook. And this songbook 
Well, or I can give it to Mrs. Pastor. No, just joking. He's writing down some notes there. I'm going to give this to her. Are you all watching? Those of you by way of live stream, you see that? All right. I'm going to give this to her. She's going to receive it. Go ahead and take it. In order for her to actually have this and receive it, and I won't mess with you now, I have to fully release. For her to receive, I must release. It cannot be a struggle. We say, oh yes, Jesus, you can have this and you can have that. But does he really have it? That means I no longer have possession or ownership of it. It is no longer on my body or extending from myself. It has been wholly or completely offered and given. There is now a separation. I do not have a single inch or a little speck of spot of myself on that item. Does that make sense? Thank you, I'll take this. Well, you just hold it. You receive it, amen? That way the, the illustration makes full sense there. It wouldn't make sense for me to take it and bring it back, all right? What is he worthy of? What is he worthy of? The Bible says he's worthy to receive power. This word power is the New Testament Greek word of dunamis. Dunamis. It sounds like a word we also are familiar with in the English language. Dynamite. This is talking about the fact that Jesus is worthy of receiving, you could jot this down, my full ability. My dunamis. We should not give Jesus the leftovers. Rather, a principle that should govern our lives, and this is something that, that governs my life, a principle, I should strive for excellence in all things. Not doing stuff half-hearted, not doing stuff slipshod or throwing something together and just last minute, I guess it's going to work and just kind of roll the dice and just roll with it. No, no, but rather he is worthy to receive Dunamis, power, my full ability. Does the Lord have your full ability? Or is he getting what's left in the tank of the ability after we've already expendicated ourselves on a career, on a hobby, on an earthly pursuit, on this, that, or the other? See, this is what our minds should meditate upon. This is what we should consider within ourselves. Uh, many times, I'm concerned, people are wanting to give themselves the full ability to advance their own image and their own desires and their own dreams, and then God gets the rest. No. God should get it all. And I should get nothing. That's a little crazy and radical. Yes, it is, but it's biblical. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's it. His righteousness, what God wants you to do and how God wants you to do it. Seek ye first the kingdom, what he wants you to do, his righteousness, how he wants you to do it. And you know what? In case you're concerned, all these things shall be added unto you. You know, why in the world should we waste our lives away on trying to add all the things unto us when God already promised that he would do it in the first place? Just live for God. Again, repeating myself, I try not to do so, but it, there's a tendency to do it. Uh, and the Bible teaches that it's okay to do this, to repeat yourself, to be stirred by a way of remembrance. Our careers and our lives, this is not the purpose of existing but rather it's a means to an end to fulfill an eternal calling. Every single one of us tonight need to put food on the table. 
But putting food on the table and providing for our family and laying up for the next generation, I believe, and saving. Uh, we even read that today in our family devotions. It's not the children laying up for the parents. It's the parents laying up for the children. All these things taken in context, but that is not the function of how we're supposed to live. Everything should be completely concentrated and consumed upon Jesus. That I am not giving my full ability to trying to raise my level of success at the job, but rather I'm thankful for the job that God has given me, and if God allows me to have favor in the eyes of men, I will receive that promotion as a result of God's kindness and goodness in my life. You know, if you apply yourself with a Christian work ethic, and you're a hard, diligent worker, as the Bible teaches you to be. Just follow the Bible. We just need an old-fashioned revival of common-sense theology. Amen. And, you know, if we just, just take the Bible at face value, it, it's, it's just going to be a matter of when, not if, but a matter of when, as you will be promoted. Why? You see that all through Scripture. Joseph was promoted. Daniel was promoted. Several others. The blessing of God being unleashed and poured out. Why? Because they were not living for the temporal. They were not living for themselves. They were not living for others or men in that capacity of trying to be a people pleaser. But rather they were living for God. He was worthy to receive the ability, the full ability. And God blessed them as a result. I'm concerned many people are trying to pursue the blessing instead of trying to pursue God. Pursue God and the blessing will naturally come. And in all reality, if I could just say this, we should not live for the Lord and pursue God for the blessing. We should just live for God because he is worthy of our lives being lived for his glory. And if the blessing comes, we'll be thankful for it. But I pray tonight that we would say this, Lord, I'd rather not have the blessing now. I don't want to lay up treasures on the earth. Rather, I want to lay up treasures in heaven. And instead of giving me the blessing now, just give me what I need to function and live and to provide for my family and God, all the surplus and all the excess, just invested in the bank of heaven. Do you realize that every single thing that's done for Christ, we alluded to that this week, even giving someone a glass of water in the name of Jesus, verily, God promises, you shall not lose your reward. Every little thing that we may think or consider to be insignificant, God is paying attention to that and God is keeping record of that. Even in the book of Malachi, chapter number three, and by the way, George Whitfield, the preacher of the First Great Awakening, loved preaching on the book of remembrance. And we don't hear much preaching on this, and I love preaching about it whenever I can, and it's weaseled its way into the message here. <laughs> um, but Malachi 3, it talks about how that before the Lord, man, God is keeping track, and God is recording, God is marking down, and he is very much a bookkeeper in that sense of being aware and keeping track of every single thing that's done for his glory. And all these things will, will be equivalented unto literal, tangible, not philosophical, or ethereal, but tangible, literal, wood, hay stubble, or literal, gold, silver, precious stones. Depends of what sort it is. What was the motive and the manner of why we did what we did. As it's done purely for his glory. Engaged in his will. These things with the right heart motive will be equivalent unto gold, silver, and precious stone. Jesus commands, lay not up treasures on the earth, but rather lay up treasures in heaven. 
I know we're down into the weeds a little bit here, and you're being so kind uh, to one at a time, single file, walking down through this unmarked territory here in a message. We're getting back to the path, all right? We're getting back to the path, but just a little bit of consideration, a little bit of observation, a little bit of exhortation tonight. May God help us to make sure that we're living in such a way that it's not for the temporal, the tangible, but it's for God and the sake of eternity. And every single thing that we do, my wife and I and our family, we do in our lives, we are consumed with this motto, he is worthy. We're not going to cut corners. You know why? He is worthy. He is worthy to receive power, my full ability so we will not be slipshod or half-hearted or just jerry-rig something together. And no offense if there's a Jerry watching by way of live stream. No, he's going to get everything, everything. Strive for excellence in all things. Very quickly, riches. He's worthy to receive riches. This word means wealth, multitude of possessions, fullness. This word also insinuates riches. It implies even that with which one is enriched by that with which one is enriched by. You know, if a career is coming between you and the Lord, he is worthy to receive that career. You know, that was my dad's testimony. He was saved at the age of 32 out of life, a life of drugs and alcohol. He was a faithful layman. He was the man that whenever the pastor needed something, Dad did it. A tremendous role model in my life. Himself, a man of God. He's with the Lord now. He's been with the Lord for four years. My dad, as he lived for Christ, was an engineer for Department of Transportation for New York State. Throughout the years, he received promotion after promotion after promotion. He was not looking for it. He was not trying to advance himself, but it was just God's favor upon his life as he was faithful to serve Jesus in church every single time the doors were open. Our homes revolved around the church. We were not fitting the church in whenever it was conducive, but we were always at church. Thank God for a parent like that. The church, had, it just, that's just the way it was. I just stopped there. Well, we need someone to lead the choir. Well, I, I can do it. I was a DJ before I got saved. I can, you know, lead the choir. <laughs> if you let me, preacher. We need someone to drive the bus. I'll, I'll get a CDL. Sure, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll go. And, and no, 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 you don't have to. I'll, I'll take care of it. I've been needing to get one for years anyway. I'll, I'll take the test. I'll pay for it. You know, I'll, I'll get the CDL. We need somebody to teach junior church uh, at one point. Uh, preacher, I'll do it. If you need somebody, I'll, I'll do it for you. That was my dad. God blessed him. By the end of his tenure as an engineer, he was very wealthy. God blessed him. He was the one in charge of all these interstate projects with hundreds upon hundreds of people underneath him that he was responsible for, massive work crews and multi-million dollar projects. Of course, he was faithful as a witness, Every couple weeks, I kept hearing, yeah, I led so-and-so to Christ on the work crew. And I've been working on this inspector for years now, and you know what? Finally, he got saved. I still remember hearing him tell that testimony with his thick Brooklyn accent. But you know, God called my dad to preach at the age of 53. 
My dad now is at a crossroads. What do I do? At the age of 55, he could have an early retirement, and that's what he did. At that moment in which he could have stayed in the game, so to speak, and advanced his career even more. And it was just interesting how coincidentally, at the time in which he could have retired at the age of 55, the state approached him with a bigger job, a more affluent income. Wow, you should stay, and this is all the benefits and the packages. And dad said, no, because he is worthy even of the very thing that enriches me. And he's asking me for it, and I'm going to give it to him, and I'm not going to struggle with God. I'm going to release the tension from my clasped hand. God's got it now. Are we so yielded and willing to God that we are ready? It's hard. It's easy to say, but it's hard to live. To stop on a dime and forsake it all for the cause of Christ. You know, it's interesting, men like C.T. Studd and several others throughout history, this was their testimony. No wonder God used them in such a wonderful way. God used them in such a powerful capacity. Why? Because they were people that understood that Jesus was worthy of riches. He was worthy, you could jot it down, of my full abundance. God, you are worthy of it. And as you taught in Acts 20, verse number 35, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. God, I'm going to give you my full ability. I'm going to give you my full abundance. Here's a couple principles you could live by that I need to live by. How about this one? Don't give God the leftovers or the excess from the surface. Be willing to give up anything and everything for his kingdom. Mark 12 talks about this in verse number 41, down to verse number 44, and Jesus, Mark 12, 41 through 44, and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many of them that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, uh, and she threw in two mites, which maketh a farthing, like a penny. And he called unto him his disciples and saith, Verily I send you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all that did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. If God called upon us to give all of our living, our full abundance, would we bat an eye or not bat an eye? Would we hesitate or not hesitate in giving Jesus everything? If he did call upon us, may we understand tonight that he is worthy. Now, church, God would never have you to do something foolish. God wants you to be frugal. He doesn't want you to be frivolous. But there are times when God will say, give me what's most precious to you. That's what it did to Abraham. Take thine son, thine only son. I want you to slay him. Are you serious? Okay. Mind-blowing. But Abraham, here we go, three days journey. And all that time, Abraham could have doubted God, argued with God, but he didn't. He just said, I guess the Lord wants me to kill my son. And after he's dead, he'll raise him up again because from my son is supposed to come the great nation of Israel. And I, I, guess, I guess God knows what he's doing. All right. Now, was it God's intention and God's plan for Isaac to be slain. No, no. But God was testing Abraham's faith. And God was seeing 
if he had all of Abraham's heart. Does God have all your heart tonight? He is worthy to receive power, riches, wisdom. Uh, This is talking about how that God is worthy of receiving our full intelligence. Our full intelligence, a principle that we could live by. Don't accept, I don't know, for an answer. Well, something needs to be done. I don't know. I don't know how many times I've heard that. Well, you know what? If you don't know, get on YouTube and study at the University of YouTube and figure it out. Amen? Don't accept, I don't know, for an answer. If it's smack dab in the center of God's will and he wants you to do it, don't quit on the job. He is worthy to receive wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He will give to all men liberally and upbraideth not. It shall be given him. I love what the Bible teaches in Exodus 35. You can maybe read that chapter later. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I say that about practically every chapter, you know. Uh, it's just wonderful. It's always, it's always wonderful. But Exodus, and I mean that, Exodus 35 has been such a great encouragement to me over the years. Because it talks about children of Israel who were brought out of the bondage and captivity of Egypt for 400 plus years and now in the wilderness, journeying under the promised land, and all of these people didn't know how to do anything except make bricks. And now God's will for their lives is to make a beautiful tabernacle. How on earth can people who just work in mud and straw and in the fields know how to do all sorts of carvings and all sorts of cunning and curious works, as the Bible says, of gold and silver and all these things? They have no clue how to do it. But the Bible says they were willing of their heart and they had a mind to work. And as a result of being willing and as a result of having a mind to work, that God gave them the wisdom. They didn't know how to do it, but they knew God knew how to do it. And as they were yielded to God saying, God, we don't know, but we're going to give you our wisdom. It ain't much, but here it is. You're going to have all of it. And God said, thank you. And here you go. And exchange everything you need to know to be an experienced craftsman. never having been an apprentice, and now stepping forward and doing all of this supernatural work where the very presence of God could rest and rejoice. This film, Redeeming Hope, that's coming out. And thank you for your patience and your gracious spirit this week. We, I've been working on that. Uh, we're coming down, down the chute now, releasing that in, in a month and things were excited, but a feature-length film, how? I don't know, but God does, and God told us to do it, so we're gonna go ahead and do it, and we refuse to accept, I don't know, for an answer. How, how do you record with an orchestra? I don't know. I can't even read music, seriously, and that's part of laziness uh, and things, but I can't read music. If you handed me, you handed me that song you sang, and I'd never heard of it before, but it was beautiful. I loved it. I hope you sing it everywhere. It convicted me. Thank you so much for it, and I mean that. But if they handed me that music before the service and said, Brother Garraway, uh, would you sing this tonight? Guess what? I'd take my best stab at it, but my arrangement and my note, notes ain't gonna be anywhere close to what the true melody is. I'll see it go up and down, but I'll have no clue where I'm supposed to land I don't know how to read music. I'm not musical. My wife is. And so I just say, yes, dear, and I record the part that I'm supposed to learn, and I just memorize it. He's worthy to receive wisdom. 
I don't want to talk about me. But all I know is this, is that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and I have nothing to glory of, and it blows my mind that God would allow us to be a part of various things. It's all his working. It's all his ministry. We just get to be along for the ride on it. We're but earthen vessels, and we're seeking to be empty of ourselves. We want the excellency of whatever it is that is produced as a result of the will of God. The excellency is not of us, but it's of God and his power is worthy. So you know what? Here I am. Do with me as you see fit. It's all God. But several Christians stop and they don't do the work and they don't follow the will because they haven't given the Lord wisdom. They've not given God their full intelligence. They're not willing to learn. They're not willing to do the hard thing and practice and work until it's perfected for his glory. He is worthy tonight, church. May we have a heart that desires this and lives for this. He is worthy to receive strength, which means my full energy. This word strength is different from the word power. It's talking about force and might. Um, The word uh, power is talking about my full ability. Strive for excellence in all things, but, but here's strength, my full energy, my full energy. The, the strength is that yeah, behind the, okay, here we go, we're getting it done. He deserves to receive full energy and strength. Here's the principle, give it all you've got. We've already been mentioning that tonight about not being half-hearted, but being wholehearted. Someone who's got their sleeves rolled up, they're willing to get dirty, if you will, down in the mud, they're willing to go forward and man, give it everything they've got for God's glory. They're willing to spend and be spent. They're willing to let that outward man perish. They're willing to give God everything. That is a problem in my generation. It's a big time problem. We're not willing to go the second mile. I'll preach to my own age group, not preaching to you. I'm just preaching to my, our, our age group. We'll put it that way, amen? They're not willing to have the guts and the grit behind the work that needs to be done. He's worthy to receive it. May we give God everything. And these last three words are all encapsulated really into my full adoration. He's worthy to receive honor, glory, and blessing. These three words work together, giving a three-dimensional perspective of giving unto Jesus our full adoration. The word honor refers to a life filled with reverence. A life that's filled with reverence. The principle, you know what? His name should be magnified, not Muddified. You know what? I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to act that way. I'm not going to think that way or be that way. Why? Because I honor the Lord. We should not tarnish his testimony, his truth, his reputation. He is worthy to receive honor. Glory refers to a life filled with rejoicing. A life filled with rejoicing. Glory. Honor. A life filled with reverence. My full adoration. Glory. A life filled with rejoicing. Uh, May the Lord help us tonight to bless him as it says in Psalm 103 verse number 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. As we read last night before some of the special music in Psalm 104 verse number 33. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. First Chronicles 13, 8 documents, and David and all Israel played before God with all their might, playing musical instruments and with singing and with harps and psalteries and timbrels and cymbals and trumpets. Man, this was a lively service, amen? They sang and played various things with all their might, 
By the way, it was a lively service. It wasn't a liberal service. It was a lively service. And you can have a lively service without being liberal. Every single person, oh, I don't know really how to sing. <laughs> what is singing? Just praising the Lord. Make a joyful noise, the Bible. You don't know how to sing? Well, so be it. Join Caleb Garrett. Just make a joyful noise. Here we go. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let's just sing. Why? He's worthy. All that God has done, praise his name tonight. There's no one else worthy of receiving glory but Jesus Christ. And also blessing, which refers to a life filled with a relationship. A life filled with a relationship. It's fascinating. This word blessing is the New Testament Greek word of eulogia. Eulogia. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? A eulogy. A eulogy is not when someone reads a piece of paper at a funeral. That's an obituary. A eulogy is given by someone who thoroughly knows about the other person and honestly has to pick and choose and streamline what stories to tell and which of the experiences they should share with those around him. Amen? And the Bible says he is worthy of receiving blessing, my full adoration, blessing, which is referring to a life filled with a relationship. And here's the takeaway, the principle, look for opportunities to share the goodness and greatness of God with as many people around you as possible. Hey, let me tell you about what the Lord has done. I, I know that there's been some tough times and some trials and some difficulties, but you know what? God is always good and God is only good. There's good days and bad days, but there's a whole lot more good days than bad ones. Let me testify and let me tell you about my God. May the Lord help us to not walk around as if our relationship with God is an obituary. I've got to read what the Bible says about God to be a witness to others. No, it's a eulogia. Man, where do I start and where do I stop? I hope I only take five minutes with the stories here at the, at the funeral in that sense. But, and after a while, man, 10 minutes have gone by and it's just a scratch of the surface. Is that our life tonight? It should be. It should be. He's worthy of this. In conclusion tonight, would you join with me in your Bibles in Revelation 5? You've been so attentive as we've been saturating ourselves in the Word of God Tonight, it's kind of like a fire hose, full blast, nonstop, all this stuff. And really, and I say this with all sincerity, a scratch on the surface to each of these truths. Who is worthy? Why is he worthy? What is he worthy of? When is he worthy? The Bible says, notice, worthy is the Lamb. This is always and ever going to be, it's always and ever going to remain in the present tense. When I'm 72, twice my age, I crack open the Bible, as I said the other day, concerning a promise of God, it's still going to be worthy is the Lamb. He is worthy of this your entire life and until your final breath. Not just for a season of 30 years, but everything, all the time. Number five, and lastly, how many is he worthy of receiving this from? How many is he worthy of receiving this from? The Bible says in verse number 13, and every creature, 
which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that is in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and of the lamb forever and ever. How many is he worthy of receiving this from? Everybody. I'll preach the mic. No, I don't think I do. Okay, we're still good. I suddenly heard it die. <laughs> All of us. Do you realize that this is not just for a few hyperactive Christians in the church? Great Commission, the work of God, the will of God, it's for everybody. 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 The children, the young people, the adults, the silver saints, what we would consider to be only maybe Sunday morning Christians, which we should never look at anybody that way. We're all the children of God. We should be a part of the family of God. If someone only comes on Sunday morning, encourage them. What are you doing in your life to encourage them to be more than just a Sunday morning Christian? Have you invited them over to your house for lunch? Have you discipled them? Are you working with them? Are you seeking to warmly embrace them so they are part of the body of Christ and not just a hand that you shake on Sunday? It's, it's from everyone. Everyone here, everyone not here. Everyone that's joined us by way of live stream, all of us combined, he is worthy. And may there be, and here's the last thought, a unity of surrender in the church. That we all will rise and we all will release and we will all let him receive these things. May God give us an overwhelming urge and an adamacy of this church that he is worthy in all things at all times from every one of us. Do you believe this? Do you genuinely believe that he is worthy? Have you come to a place in your life where you find him worthy of the things listed here? If so, are there, and I'm not saying that there are, but are there areas where you find yourself unyielding? Tonight, do we need to release the tension of a clenched hand? Enjoy that sweetness of a moment of yielding to God everything.